It's all about you. It's all about you, baby. Here we are, still recording in COVID times. Lucy Harris and I had more interruptions than we needed with phone signals and anything else you can think of. I would always sit with a guest during recording. Mind you, it was quite lucky because Lucy and I could talk for hours, so maybe this was quite a good option for us. Lucy is clear of breast cancer and remains grateful to her Reiki practitioner. I loved how she stated quite clearly to her friends not to be feeling awkward and to go and talk to her. There are so many grave twists and turns in Lucy's progress, it is quite astonishing. This podcast is sponsored and supported by 365daysofbreastcancer.com. And welcome Lucy Harris to It's All About You, the podcast. Hello, hi. hi. I thought I'd lost you then for a minute. <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, good. nice sunny days and um, yeah. nice breeze, so everything's good. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's nice to see and the sunshine. Say, we've, got, we've got you on board for a really, um, well, a thing that's close to my heart, actually. Um, we'll talk about your background in, in a second, but uh, we'll just put this straight out there, really. It's like a breast cancer-related conversation. And the reason I was very keen to have you on is it's got more twists and turns and stings to the tail than you can imagine. And um, yeah. I just found that whole experience myself, really. Um, you never know quite what's coming at you. And, you know, this whole conversation is that case in point as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, so just fill us in a little bit about your background leading up to your diagnosis and, um, yeah, just tell us how it all kicked off. Yes, yeah, so it was um, about April 2017 um, when um, I actually went for a bit of me time and I went to see my Reiki practitioner and have a bit of, um, you know, relaxation and um, trying to start the year um, uh, in a good place. And um, she said to me, oh, I've got, um, uh, you know, I've got some heat underneath my arm. Have I got any problems or breast cancer in the, in the family? And I was like, yes big sister um but no you know no no other link so went and got it checked out um and a month later I was diagnosed with um triple negative breast cancer so um and then obviously went on to have uh surgery um and then chemotherapy and then radiotherapy um and uh finished the treatment in feb by the end of february the following year We've spoken already, so I know the story, but I just suddenly no. thought, I'm sure you can't have had immunotherapy um, because that's particularly for her, her yes. two positive, which yeah. is what I had. Um, and mm. I remember that coming onto the market, actually, mm. some years ago. It's less than a decade ago, I think. And it was this big furore mm. because they were saying it was a postcode treatment. Ooh. This is um, exactly what we're talking about here um, because yeah. it wasn't suitable for you, was it? No, but it, it's not um, deemed um, uh, that it works for no. this um, 
type of cancer but there are trials going on right now yeah um for immunotherapy that i have friends on so you know we are there are promising things happening for the triple negative um which is very um interesting and uh hopeful um you know and it it had to happen at some point didn't it yes yeah i mean you know tenoxifen didn't come about that long ago um so you know there are always things moving forward Yes, I don't know about you, Lucy, but, um, you know, it just seems that treatment is advancing all the time. And when you held your hand out, hand out your arm out, in fact, for um, chemotherapy that first time, it just feels such an archaic, clunky, wieldy experience. Um, and, and you kind of sit there thinking this has got to move on at some point. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you say that because actually, you know, before you even walk into the hospital, you have the fear of the word chemotherapy. Yes, you do. Um, full stop, you know, from yeah. the horror stories that we've seen in the press. Um, you know, the the first primary fear being your hair loss. And yeah. and actually, really, that shouldn't be your main concern. It should be about, um, you know, uh, treating the cancer. So, yeah. Um, so, yes, the treatments... Uh, thankfully are moving forward quite fast in 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 some respects um to be kinder to the rest of the body um and just target those specific cancer cells that um are there because at the moment it just wipes out every fast moving cell fast growing cell cell yeah um and that's the way the treatment is um aimed at but you know now they're doing these targeted therapies which are and the immunotherapies your own body is supposed to um start attacking the the random cells so but i was expecting to explain to me in in um, basic terms that it's like uh, somebody a little tiny thing going in there with a key finding any random cells that aren't working for you and working against you putting the key in and locking them down and keeping them locked down that's a great um, analogy. Yeah, that my Magdalene nurse told me that because I just thought, you know, you, you're having all the therapies. It's, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's going to be a real thing, but it's horrendous. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I just wanted a full, oh, they must have been sick of me on that one. I asked so many questions. They used to like, oh, here she is. Here she is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it was, it's the uncertainty, isn't it? And you just Yeah, want I just am curious. You know, I like to know. Mm. And, um, you know, that your conversations are fascinating one because, you mm. you know, I understand there's over 200 variations on breast cancer. And here's another story. I, I don't mm. think anybody's got the same tale to tell, have they? No, definitely. Nobody has had the same exact same treatment, the levels of dose or, you know, where the, the cancer started, how yeah. it grew, you know, where did it start? How did it start? Nobody knows those answers yet. But, no. um, you know, it's uh, it, it's very individual to each person and the it's way easier. you cope with it, too. So, um, so, so you you were um you have a wonderful job. I mean, you were just going along merrily enjoying life uh, before this came about. So tell us a bit more about the job that you do. Yeah, so I was sort of at the prime of my working life um, and I am a theatrical costumier. So basically I run a um, department um, called the Running uh, Wardrobe Department at uh, Glyndebourne Festival Opera which is um, a seasonal um, opera house in the middle of the countryside in near Brighton in Lewis. And we perform uh, six operas across the summer. 
Um, and, you know, we have some very high standards and high budgets and really huge casts. Um, and, um, yeah, there's world-class opera going on in the middle of the countryside on near the South Downs, which is yeah, fantastic. unbelievable, really. Yeah, but, it's got a massive reputation and I expect that kept you really at the top of your game and full on. Yeah, so when I'd been there um, eight years previous to my diagnosis and mm. actually had worked there um, straight out of college um, and then uh, for four years and then in another type of job as a costume maker um, um, and being the manager now of the running team um, it's slightly different area but still in the costume department um, but you know I oh, what's the running team so the running team is I manage the shows so it's what you would stereotypically call the old-fashioned wardrobe mistress or wardrobe right. master um, so I run the shows, um, I make sure everybody's in the right place at the right time, in the right costume, with the designer's look that they wish for, um, that the quick changes happen effectively, safely, um, that all staff are present where they're supposed to be, everything's cleaned, pressed, ironed, um, or got the look um, of you know uh, a, a character's look rather than an off-the-peg look. Um, mm. So, um, yes, lots of detail, um, maintenance, repairing, sewing, uh, quick fixes to trousers when their seams split, you know. Um, Two minutes you know before it. they do on stage, that kind yes. of thing. Yeah. Um, we have some yeah. comedy moments and we have yeah. some very um, sociable jobs. So it's very active, yeah. active work. So um, stressful, but you love it. Stressful because the deadlines are every second of that performance. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, everybody's got the same aim. The the actual yes. backstage teams, we're all, you know, the live performance. So, um, which is what we all love, you know. The, the, yes, that's what you thrive off, right? Yeah, the theatre essence yeah. as such. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, uh, having sort of got a family of theatrical um, performers and my moments of dance school um are sort of well used to that um genre <laughs> yeah that environment yeah, yeah you grew up with it yeah so breast cancer struck but you had a family turmoil already going on in the background didn't you yeah so I have a uh, big sister Katie uh, she's six years older than us and um, she was diagnosed um at the end of 2015 um, and she uh, eventually she finished her treatment at the May um, in 2016. So she had quite a fast treatment. Yeah. Um, but this was in um, Paris. So she was working at um, uh, in Paris as um, a show director. So um, at Disneyland. Right, so, yeah, yeah it's um, quite... Um, uh, it was quite a shock to be diagnosed a year and a half later, um, you know, from her diagnosis. And, and when there's no genetic link in the family yeah. and no suspicions of why we should be diagnosed under the age of 50, yeah. you know, um, you know, every woman over the age of 50 has their screening. Yeah. Um, and that's how Katie's was picked up. But um, being uh, just over 40 at the time, um, it was kind of like not on our radar. As such. No. And your, your so, cancers were different. 
yes very different so katie had the estrogen receptive cancer mm-hmm. um and i had the no no um estrogen or hert yeah so um protein so yes very very different so um we obviously didn't have a genetic link because as we got tested um and the the genetics they they test for are the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes um but there are a lot of other subtype genetics that can be tested for and that there are no sort of preventative measures that you can take so it's kind of a uh, bittersweet whether you want to know or whether you do do or don't know about these genetics. But uh, as I say, it wasn't on our radar. So. Yeah, and, and you're a twin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, obviously the um, fear went yes. out that way as well. Um, but that's all been, um, you know, tested and, and regularly tested now. So we are covered under the screening program. And so that doesn't um, mean your twin sister would... Um not get it just means does it mean she will not get it or will she not get the same type as you've got so she's got the um the average risk as as everybody else because we don't have the BRCA genes so there's she's not susceptible as far as the genetics say so but um as nobody knows kind of what sparks this awful breast cancer then nobody's nobody should um feel that they're 100 percent immune from it so it's quite incredible uh, quite incredible mm. to uh, for your parents too to have um your elder sister going through that and just coming out of treatment before you were plunged into it yourself. Yes, I think you know the shock of how can this be happening and you know the disbelief yeah. I think was the strongest thing and and being and looking so healthy. Um, it's not like you had symptoms of you know malaise you know you were really um looking good you know i mean everything was it was springtime everything looks a little bit sunnier you know it was you know it wasn't it wasn't and it was such a surprise i think that's the hardest thing it was the same for me you know before i was diagnosed there was no sign of it whatsoever and i actually went along to um, i call it the cancer catcher van actually which i should probably stop doing that but um (laughs) It's the van that comes around locally um, every February to Marlow and uh, women yeah. of a certain age get invited along to have um, a test. And um, thank yeah. goodness they did. Thank yeah. goodness I oh, went. Exactly. Fact, yeah. And and that's so, so good that that service really is available. Because uh, I, I, like and, you, I um, didn't feel unwell. I felt, you know, just as I always had, that I wasn't tired. I wasn't anything. Mm. No, not at all. And, you know, um, you know, Katie's cancer was caught in Paris because they screen from the age of 40. Oh, I was going to ask so you that, actually, because her... I know it's 50 over here and there's only six years difference, yeah. she said. Yeah, yeah. So she was um, on a routine screening. Um, and actually, once she got diagnosed, her consultant in Paris said that we should get tested as sisters. Yeah. And um, the UK refused. Oh. Um, because you know, gen- generally there is there is good medical evidence as to why you're not screened under fifty. Um, but you know, reassurance-wise, we really need yeah. it. Um, but there are ways and means to get your screening if you are so anxious about it. And there are private uh, mammograms that you yeah. can have for, for good reasons. Well, though. and because otherwise um, you drive yourself insane worrying about it. And that could be far more damaging in some respects. Yes, yeah, and we we did have some counselling with the um the genetics um breast care place um in yeah. Sussex, and they said you know we were actually low right. risk, 
So um, I think it's actually just a 100% bad yeah. luck. Um, Incredible. You know, um, yeah, uh, so unfortunately. And, and that, there's that. Um, you had your diagnosis, your treatment, the surgery, the whole everything. Um, but that still yeah. wasn't to be the only sting in the tail from it. No, no. So, you know, we just sort of come through the other side and um, finished the chemotherapy and the radiotherapy. And you expect to take a little bit of time to rebuild all your cells after all that harsh treatment. And, um, you know, I was I worked all the way through my chemotherapy on and off. You know, so I wasn't I didn't take a, a year out or anything. I was sort of in work, you know, for a few days, then off for a few days. And, and really, they Glumble, were fabulous um, in, in helping me through that. So I got used to feeling a little bit under par. Um, but, you know, six months later, after finishing radiotherapy in, in September 18, I had been on holiday and just flown back from COS and had a, a scan uh, called an echocardiogram because I was a bit breathless and my heart rate was extremely high at a resting mm. pace of 122. And um, yes, yeah, so, so your, uh, your heart in. rate was 122. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, literally where it should be at 60, yeah. 50, 60. Yeah. Um, and I had no knowledge of that. That wasn't right. I was feeling OK, but, you know, I'd learned to feel sort of OK was good. Well, for there's me. so it many variations great. when you have chemo and radiotherapy in your body. There's so many mm. changes. You kind of have to go mm. along and accept some of them and hope that they, they improve. I think that's how you get, you yeah. get into that kind of mindset, don't you? Yeah, I didn't feel toxic when I had the chemotherapy. I felt really toxic. Um, But I didn't have that feeling. I just had the absolute fatigue and the breathlessness. And I just understood it to be, you know, recovery. Um, And uh, so this scan obviously revealed that my heart was only working at 18%, whereas it should have been working between 60 and 70%. Um, So I got admitted there and then with heart failure. So... um, that was an ultimate shock because I'd gone along to the scan on my own um and thank goodness my breast care nurse was in the unit um so sort of she picked me up on the floor um I had a wonderful cardiologist um who was absolutely fantastic and the matron of the hospital um and I had to be transferred to another cardiac unit within Brighton um, and I, you know, was thrown into this ward and, and told that, yes, you've got heart failure. Um, you, It's fine. You'll be able to have some drugs. You'll be able to have this kind of implement um, of like a pacemaker um, or a heart transplant. There's plenty of, of, of treatments. I was like, I beg yeah. your pardon. Oh, so the shock sort of took a few days to, to sink I'm in. Sure. And, and so can I just ask, do you actually know what caused that? Because I know for a fact that um, immunotherapy, I had echocardiograms all the way through it, um, can mm. cause it. But you didn't have immunotherapy. No. So um, I know when you start chemotherapy, you have like an ECG, yeah. which is like a, a tracing of your heart to show if yeah, it's based, working, all the muscles are working well. properly. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's all I had. And that was absolutely fine. So it's understood that the um, chemotherapy that I had, which was EC, it's the, now if I can pronounce this right, epirubicin um, of the uh, chemotherapy, which is the red drug. 
um, that is has known in very very rare cases, um, and it's something very minus percent. It is so rare that that can actually destroy heart cells, and 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 that's what Gosh. it did to me. So, so, so when you start off with chemo, um, you know, you go into the room with the consultant before you actually start the, the treatment, and they yes. reel off this long list that you know I like a scroll of things I felt was just yes. unrolling onto the floor of side yeah. effects that can happen to you. Um, yeah. you know that may or may not have been said to me. I can't remember. But um, did you pay any attention to that, or was that just one of the things they were talking about? I don't remember no. it being said, but I'm almost certain that it yes, was. Yes, I'm sure. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I did hear the word, you know, you can die from chemotherapy. That's right, yeah. Um, kind of and thinking, way, don't you? Because um, yeah. you're also going to die from breast cancer if you don't deal with it. Yeah. So I knew that I had no choice. Whatever they suggested I had to do, mm. um, you know, because I had no knowledge. I had no, I wasn't the expert at this. Um, and I wasn't, you know, with, with the breast cancer diagnosis, I wasn't surprised that I was going to need chemotherapy. So it was... It was a surprise at the actual diagnosis, mm. not not the treatment. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but you know, you just hand yourself over. You do, you and go... I think you know we've spoken in the past, and I, I kind of think the bit that I hated so much was exactly what we're talking about: the yeah. extras that come with it that you could never, yeah. you do, you've no experience, you don't understand what you're setting yourself up for. You know, the lighter that... little things of steroids and how they make you feel, and the weight you put on, and how you lose it and put it yeah. back on again, and. Um, yeah. you know that's just one thing and then injecting yourself in the stomach or having a pick mm. line put in and uh, you have, yeah. if you have this it's going to make you feel like this but it can't be reversed when you stop it you know it's all the extras yes. and this is one of them a massive one for you yeah I just wonder yeah. how you've dealt with that mentally how you how have you coped with that all of um yeah so I mean the actual diagnosis you obviously you, you're in shock yeah. um and then you go through to like acceptance um, and then you give yourself over to the medics and then you have to get a plan. When you get a plan, you sort of start to feel, OK, right, this is what we're doing and I just have to do it. Mm. Um, and then you move forward with the uncertainty. Um, but, you know, I I literally reached out to my friends and family straight away. Um, you know, obviously having a big sister, having been through it, she could tell me what was going to happen yes. and how I was going to feel. Yeah. Gave me some top tips, yeah. um, which I was like, no, 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 I won't need that. Yeah. But, oh, boy, she was right. Yeah. Um, and then I also had a best friend um, from when I was a, a child that had been through um, breast cancer. And I rang her and I said, you know, how do, how do you do this? Mm. Um, and she said, you know, she said to me and her words were quite true once you've got a plan you'll feel so much better you just get on with it yeah um and you know I, I did and I saw that that sort of that passage through and I was like yeah I'm there now let's just get on with it yeah um and I don't know about so... you I kind of felt um well, as a single parent as well I needed a team around mm -hmm. me otherwise I just wasn't going to get through the whole lot on my own it's 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 enormous yeah so what I what I did and actually big sister did and she said she created her army so she had Katie's army right. and um, you know the support that she got from them was just invaluable because yeah. she was living abroad with no family around her she had very very strong friends um, uh, from her work colleagues and, and uh, her general friends um, in Paris but I I decided that you know I was at work and a lot of my close friends work with me um, so I 
told them straight away, um, but I told them in sort of groups. So I got rid of the awkwardness that was going to come from, I didn't want to try and hide what was going to happen. No. There, there was no way I was going to hide it. No. Um, and so I basically, I just, you know, I told the special friends very um, calmly to start with. And then I t- told more work colleagues and I told people, you know, don't be awkward, come and talk to me. Mm. So, um, and I created a, a little ribbon actually that I used to wear and I would give out to everybody around my workplace like knowing that theatre is such a family orientated um business anyway everybody knows each other's business yeah yeah um so these ribbons people would wear them um and the mantra was um be breast aware be stress-free and be kind to yourself yeah so um you know I did believe that stress had a lot of impact on cancer itself so you know and and, and theatre is a very stressful environment mm. so I was sort of saying it's okay you know it was asking for their um empathy not sympathy I was asking for their empathy to, to help and, and their strength their yeah. strength and boy did they have so much strength yeah. you know and they were so pleased I'd made that step forward to them rather than them feeling awkward awkward and coming to me well I think so, I love that what you've just said because so many people don't really know what to do I, I always thought when you when you get a diagnosis you're immediately flung on the opposite side of the fence to everybody and everything you ever knew yeah all of a yeah. sudden you don't know how to communicate with those people and they don't know how to yeah. communicate back to you um, yeah. and so when you settle into it the giving out of roles and telling people how they can help you is mm. so much more beneficial for them when mm. they're just flailing around desperate to help but don't want to put the foot in it because that's really quite easily done as well. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I had friends that were nurses um, and they said, oh, I'll come and do your injections after your chemos. And I was like, great. You know, that yeah. I didn't have to worry about. Yeah, and I had some fabulous ladies um, come and help me, um, you know, and I was staying at my parents at the time. So it was a, a lovely little sort of sense of a responsibility that mum and dad didn't have to make. Yes. Um, or my sister. Um, so live with my twin sister at the moment. So, um, yeah, so she didn't have to do it either. And I wasn't in a sort of, I was too panicky to do injections on myself. Yeah, oh, so, oh, it's a horrible experience. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you do have to just do it. But you, you do. Know, I, like, I actually phoned the ward up when I um, when I first opened it up because I thought they must have given me the wrong needles here. This they were enormous. Yeah, and I said, you know, has it got this big grey bit on? Should I pull that off? And what have you given me the wrong thing? She went, no, that's mm-hmm. right, dear. Stick it in. <laughs> I thought. Oh. <laughs> lovely yeah um, anyway like you say yeah. I did the first one and I was okay after that but that's it's yeah. not a nice thing it isn't a nice no. thing it just brings you down a bit it's, it's yeah. um, another weight on your shoulders isn't it yeah absolutely and you know and I used to go out for coffee with my friends um when I was going through the chemotherapy and that meant a lot just to pop to a coffee shop yes same for me um, yeah. And, you know, they'd pick us to up. To reclaim your normal a life a bit, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they loved being that, able to help yes. in that way that they could. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had so many well wishes and presents and um, care packages and, and all sorts of lovely things. Yeah. Um, but, you know. And that uh, helped you get through mentally. So you've had quite yeah. a pragmatic approach to this, haven't you? Yeah. And I think you have yeah. to have in a way whilst you're in it. So you've got your plan. Yeah. 
you knew you, you were striding forward and you're going to stick to that and you pulled your people your group your army around you yes um, to keep you buoyed up and help you through to the other side absolutely and, and that's you know, the route through I think for most people yeah. I don't think you can do something so immense like this on your own no definitely not on your own definitely not reach out is is my um, advice yeah. you know and being proactive about doing that don't feel guilty you know I I had to set that aside and I was like no I need this yes it, this is about me now I need this from a b and c so let's ask and you know you might not have got everybody that you wanted you know you thought would 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 come and help not everybody had the capability to no. deal with it and that's um, fine too isn't it yeah, you know I absolutely. just think people react in very strange ways and you yeah. just have to be accepting of the fact that we're not all the same and it is too no. difficult for some people yeah you know um I've gone on to have the reconstruction of the breast because I had the mastectomy and I had the Dieppe reconstruction, which mm -hmm. means they take um, part of your tummy and make a new breast out of it, which is quite a major operation. Yeah. Um, and obviously that got delayed because of the heart failure. So that was a bit of a, another curveball. But um, I had to set up a whole new support system for the recovery of that, which yes. was 12 weeks. Yeah. So. I had lots of lovely friends come round and cook dinner and, um, you know, come and chat, bring cake. Um, and it just meant so much. Um, yeah. You know, family would come round too. Um, but, you know, being, keeping in touch with people and, and accepting help is, is very important. Yeah. Right? Oh, well, I've written um, something called 365 days of breastcancer.com. And that's, it's yeah. about things like this. Um, it's words of inspiration, but practicalities too. Mm. And, you know, just, I, I remember saying to somebody, just get a cleaner, uh, get someone in to mm. clean the house. And she said, I, how do you expect me to afford that? Because, of course, your finances take a big hit when you're yep. designing tools. And mm. I said, no, it doesn't have to be a cleaner. You know, your friends will be desperate to get in there and mm. do that for you. Yeah. Um, so you've just got to make sure that you can look after yourself in all the ways that you need. Yeah. So what, what would you say particularly, Lucy, to others? I mean, not just with breast cancer, a challenging mm. time of any kind is a mm. real mental hit and... I just wondered, you know, what your advice, if you want, or what suggestions you might have for anybody else? Well, I think being positive um, is a very good thing to be, but just make sure that you don't, you know, you don't feel guilty about not being positive on some days too. Yeah, some days it's all right to be really down yeah. in the dance. Yeah. So I think what you said is the, is the, the word proactive is a better mm. um actually uh description so be yeah. proactive take control um and don't let uh, as my big sister told me this was her mantra do not let the cancer define you yeah so you control it rather than it controls you so yeah you may have to give yourself over for a time being but you still have the choice to be get yourself out of bed and go right i'm going to tackle this day um but understand that there are days where you say, no, I'm, I'm allowing myself what they call a hippo day um, on the sofa. So yeah. and whatever you need is perfectly acceptable. So accepting what you need, and, but being positive about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, it does make a lot of sense. And I think, um, you know, I had a little saying to myself that I just had to show up for myself every day. Oh, very good. But yeah. Some days that could be huge. I could be doing loads of things because I had more energy or. I was, I don't know, you know, you have a, a lift or whatever it is. Yes. Other days I was just, it would be everything I could do to get myself up and smart mm. myself up and get yeah. on the sofa and, yeah. I don't know, read read a piece of information mm. I needed to do for work or whatever. Mm. Um, but every day I just needed to show up with 
something for myself mm. just for me yeah you know that I'd done that and, yeah. and the gap between doing something tiny and something massive was enormous you know yes. so yeah. some days were just like that yeah I mean I started um as I sort of progressed through the chemotherapy and of course all my work colleagues went off on tour which I should have been on oh, right. and um I started to then create like a big cake sale for when they came back that uh, Christmas cake and craft sale so I started organizing that and sat on the sofa and made lots of little different crafty bits using my skills of the sewing yeah, yeah so lovely. I made lots of little badges and oh. um, tree decorations and just all little hand sewing bits that I could manage yeah um, but something that again it's proactive and taking you into the, yeah. into a nice direction isn't yeah, it absolutely so yeah. you know you lose your purpose um in life basically your because yeah. your calendar disappears your diary disappears. it does it does it's ambushed by appointments yeah so then I went right well this is mine nobody's going to touch this bit so um, yeah you know and I, my creativity came out sitting on the sofa watching Christmas movies yeah lovely <laughs> so, got you through to the other side which is incredible yeah. isn't it yeah so well, currently we're recording in uh, covid coronavirus times yes um have you been I'm, I'm quite interested in this answer because I've spoken to so many people mm. have you been able to use your resilience and what you learnt during your treatment and your um, downtime to help you through lockdown yeah well it's actually quite interesting because as soon as we got the lockdown um, I recognized those feelings of yes it was almost like a PTSD um, of the complete panic about your vulnerability again yeah, um, yeah and uncertainty and I started you know I for a few days was like oh my goodness I'm how how is this going to affect me and and but everybody was feeling this these same feelings and I thought this is really bizarre I knew exactly what they were but other people were experiencing them for the first time um so you know there was a lot of um uh acknowledgements for what i i used to say i joined the the race the the life race the human race you know you suddenly realized your mortality you suddenly realized mm. what you were in the cycle of being a human being mm. um and the reality hit so you know the resilience that you got from having been through that before was beneficial because I could stop those feelings and go, ah, yeah, you come out the other side in a few days. Don't worry. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and you've already stared. Uh, it's a bit, a bit of a morbid thing to say, but it's yeah. true. You have already stared the black hole down. Yeah. You've already stared it, stared it down. And to come at this again, mm. in a way, is, you know, it's your second time round and you've kind of, you've been there yes you, you've got the, the emotions yeah. and the kit back to deal with it yeah I certainly felt very vulnerable um especially you know having that it was more so the heart failure um with the you yeah. know and getting the virus whether the heart would cope yeah but yeah. you know there were so many more people that were also very vulnerable um yeah but the reality of you know you know nobody having any immunity to something that it could be devastating yeah is is it was hard to, to see the fear in people's eyes really oh I agree you looked around mm. at various of your friends mm. who were falling at the first hurdle mm. and I thought crikey you know um, it's quite an incredible thing to experience mm. yeah. and, and there's nothing you can do to help people really they've got to work their way through no, it and it might seem a strange thing to say but it's probably done us all a little bit of good 
Yes, I agree um, wholeheartedly. It's a weird thing to say, you know, you know, oh, you came out of cancer with some positives. Well, yes, you do. Your your eyes are sort of wider open to what is there right in front of you. Um, yeah. you know, and the word carpe diem comes to to, to mind. It's like yeah. actually, you know, don't rush through life, absorb everything you've you've got right there. So um, it seems a bit stereotypical to say that, but yeah, actually... No, but it's true. true. It kind of... I always said it, it gave me a huge pair of clarity goggles yes. and longer <laughs> they remain because yep. um, I don't want to be wasting my time on things anymore. I, I'm, I, I can kind of cut to the quick, rip yep. much easier now and uh, make decisions that I would probably never have made before. Yes. Um, yep. It's given me a massive amount. Am I glad I've had it? No, I really no. am not. And I don't want it back in touch with that remains. Yep. But um, yep. the truth is I have learnt an absolute colossal amount about myself yeah. through it. Yeah. I mean, I did the, the classic, what am I going to get for me? I've, I'm, what present am I going to get myself? And um, I'd been wanting uh, a new car for a long time. So I upgraded my car. And yeah. I was like, well, if it's, it felt great while you yeah, did it. it's going to push the finances. Yeah. So what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I agree. But, um, and I had some huge kindness come back from that. And the, the garage that I bought the car from um, donated some money into to the account. So I was like, oh. it was, you know, when you sort of take a stance, you take control. Amazing things yeah. do happen. So they do. And I hope, you know, coming back to our COVID situation, that we can all learn that. You know, some people won't. They'll just carry on as they were and go firing off mm. and there'll be no looking back and that's all fine. Mm. And that's the way they're dealing with it. There'll be a huge amount of us mm. that will look at life in a very different way mm. and experience feelings and emotions differently to how they did before mm. and maybe make some big changes because of that and yeah. um, take control of their lives a bit more. I think it's taken us back a good 50 years in humanity. So the way that the community... Um, is reaching out to each other again oh which is remarkable yeah isn't it? and you know the generational um checking that everybody's okay down your street that's old yeah um and you know i hope that you know that's good because technology had been moving along so fast in an unnecessary people form. behind weren't yeah we? i agree yeah. so I mean, I had to laugh um, you saying that because when I was eight years old, I actually got on one of my school reports. Deborah would do much better if she stopped making sure everybody else was ah. okay before she got on with her work. Yeah. Well, as lockdown started, you know, when I had um, my cancer diagnosis, mm -hmm. there was nobody else to care for but um, look after myself. Yeah. Uh, this was very different so I've <laughs> I've been doing exactly as you said I've been making sure yeah. everybody on my road is okay yeah that's it and something's never as part of my work I I make sure everybody else is all right first and then I think about myself um but you know the, the cancer journey actually you have to think Reverse about yourself that. yeah and yes. um, and actually, in a way, that felt nice. Mm. I don't know about oh, you. Oh, yes. I, I was like, right. Oh, no, this is me now. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's you know, I, I didn't feel guilty about it um, to start with. I, and then I went through a bit of a roller coaster going, oh, you know, am I affecting other people? Should I be careful of yeah. them? And then I stood up and went, actually, no. <laughs> so, no, I agree. You know, um, I agree. I think it, you become so backed into a corner that you haven't got a space in your head to start worrying about things like that mm. and actually my surgery was on the 5th of April and mm. I wanted to mark that day in a more positive way so I started this podcast mm. and called it it's all about you for that yes, reason yes absolutely and it's it's just very um perfect 
words for a cancer patient. So it is uh, for, uh, for anybody going through a really chronic illness yeah. or a tough time, you know, and that's really what this yeah. podcast is about is to um, find stepping stones into a better place. And I think for sure your conversation today will have given lots of people some um, help with that and some routes out into a into a brighter yeah, area. I hope so because you know I I reached out and found lots of um, uh, um, results of you know how people had coped and, and what they had done. So and it it gives you kind of not a comparison but a oh this is possible, you know. So I can yes. do this. So it's yeah. the affirmation that you need to tell yourself. So yeah I think it's once you're given the cancer word or whatever word it is of an illness and um, once you've absorbed that and acclimatized to yeah. it and um, life becomes easier because there are people that have recovered from just about everything and why shouldn't that be mm. you you know so you can you can make your way through from mm, there absolutely yeah so Lucy I want to just say a massive thank you because that was just an enormous thing yeah. and um the, you, I can tell with your conversation how upbeat you are and you're not letting it get you down and I'm sure you have your yes. days and your moments but um you're doing such a terrific job and that you're able to work in such a great space yes. it must be brilliant for your oh, soul. yes I feel very lucky um, yes absolutely it's a privilege uh, but it's also a privilege to have this conversation with you so I just want to say a massive thank you for everything you've given to the people that will listen to this well, podcast you. thank you yeah nice to speak yes, to you take care you too if you like this podcast like it comment on it or share it thank you